Special counsel Jack Smith finally hits Donald Trump with a variety of charges related to the 2020 election and January 6th. We examine the bombshell indictment from all available angles. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So finally, the other shoe dropped. Yesterday, Jack Smith, the special counsel who was appointed to investigate Donald Trump's activities surrounding the election of 2020 and January 6th, and also appointed to look into his handling of classified documents, he has now filed a second case against Donald Trump. The classified documents case is going to be held down in Florida. Now he has filed a federal indictment alleging multiple crimes with regard to January 6th and election 2020. According to the Wall Street Journal, Trump was indicted Tuesday in an unprecedented criminal case accusing the former president of trying to subvert the will of American voters through his attempts to cling to power after he lost the 2020 election. Here was Jack Smith yesterday announcing the indictment and making it all about January 6th. And as we'll see, this is sort of fascinating because it's political. I mean, when I say it's political, I don't just mean that he is saying things that are political in nature. I mean that this indictment itself is political. See, in order for an indictment to actually have any teeth, the crimes are st- that are statutory in nature, the elements of the crimes must be fulfilled. Alleging that somebody did a bad thing to you doesn't make it a crime. If I say something mean to you, you may not like it. I may be being a jerk, but that doesn't mean that I just committed a crime. A crime is a statutorily defined thing, and you have to hit the elements of that crime in order for you to go to jail over that crime. The problem in this particular case is that there are a lot of things that a lot of people don't like about what Donald Trump did between the election of 2020 and January 6th. I think, for example, he was not telling the truth when he suggested that the election had actually been won by him, that formal voter fraud, not just, you know, media rigging the election through informal means or changing of voter rules, but actual formal voter fraud changed the outcome of the 2020 election. I think he knew that was not true, and I think that he was lying about that, but I can't prove it. Not only can I not prove it, the evidence you know, again, is somewhat speculative because maybe he truly believed, this is going to be his defense, that voter fraud did decide the 2020 election. I think that Donald Trump did something that was frankly false. And I think that he was lying to people when he suggested between the election and January 6th that Mike Pence had the unilateral ability to overturn election results. That's not the way the Constitution is written. However, could there be a legal theory to that extent that Donald Trump actually believed? Sure, there could be. Me thinking that Donald Trump did a bad thing does not make the bad thing a crime. And when you start making bad things a crime, things you don't like a crime, free speech a crime, specious legal theories a crime, now you're encroaching on actual American freedoms just to get Donald Trump. And that's what Jack Smith is doing here. Because as we will see, and we're going to go through the indictment in great detail today, as we will see, the things that Jack Smith is alleging are mainly things that are just like not good, like not good things that are not provable crimes. And he is stretching the definition of crimes to fit those not good things because he had a mandate, as all special counsels do, which is indict. And as the old saying goes, once you get a case in front of a grand jury, they'll indict a ham sandwich. And for Jack Smith, who's bringing this case in Washington, D.C., it's almost being treated, I think, legally as a backup to the classified documents case in Florida. The classified documents case in Florida is the most significant legal threat to Donald Trump because he appears to have fulfilled the elements of the crime. Leave aside the double standard with Hillary Clinton. If you are just a jury looking at whether Donald Trump did the things alleged in the indictment and do those fulfill the elements of the crime with regard to classified documents, the answer is likely yes in the state of Florida. The problem for Jack Smith is it's in the state of Florida. You may get a juror who's willing to basically say, I don't think it's fair that you're trying him at all. And so I'm going to vote to acquit. So The backup is file a bunch of real stretch charges in Washington, D.C., where everybody hates Donald Trump's guts and hope that they are going to send him to jail on those bases. Same thing that Manhattan D.A. is doing 
over in Manhattan with regard to these ridiculous Stormy Daniels charges. He's figuring it's a Manhattan jury. They hate Donald Trump. They'll put him in jail. And this is where it starts to seem incredibly political. Again, not just political because everything is political, but political in the sense that there is an overt attempt at this point to stretch the law to get Donald Trump. Here's Jack Smith yesterday announcing the charges. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. Okay, what he just alleged right there is not a crime. Okay, January 6th, I agree, was really bad. I think January 6th was terrible for America. I'm not somebody who actually, you know, whitewashes January 6th or pretends that riots in general are okay as long as they're coming from my side. I don't like riots. I don't like violence against police officers. I don't think that the riots in the Capitol were going to achieve anything that was remotely approached by constitutional law. I do think that the attempt to label everybody who's at the protest a rioter and everybody who is at the riot a rioter because a lot of people are just kind of wandering through the halls of Congress there. Do I think that that's overblown? Yes. Do I, am I somebody who has whitewashed or, or downplayed the egregious sight of people assaulting people on January 6th at the Capitol building? No. Do I think that it matches up against the 2020 riots, the most damaging riots in American history, the BLM riots across America? No, I don't actually. But put all of that aside. What Jack Smith is saying, which is January 6th is bad and Donald Trump lied and that's the thing that's bad and therefore it's a crime. That is not a crime. Even if you believe that Donald Trump's words fueled people into believing that they could overthrow the election and that therefore they went and they did the thing. That is not a crime. They're not charging him with incitement. Right? If they actually wanted to charge that crime, you'd have to charge incitement. That's an actual crime. If I incite a riot, that means that I go to a crowd and I say, let's go storm that building right there over let's, right now. Let's do it. That's incitement. There were some people who have been charged with incitement on January 6th. Donald Trump is not one of those people. That is not in this indictment. And yet it's very clear that that's what Jack Smith is trying to charge him with, which means that it's political. He's charging him for a crime that he is not alleging. Okay, that is a serious, serious legal problem. Now, the procedure in this case, and then we'll get to the actual content of the indictment, which I say is highly, highly political. This thing is going to move fast. Jack Smith says they're going to seek a speedy trial. They're going to try and do it before the election. Donald Trump is presumably going to claim that this needs to happen after the election because he's already facing two legal legal cases. He's likely to face a fourth, right? He, he's going to be before the election facing down charges in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., in Florida, and in New York. And so he's going to argue, and his lawyers are going to argue, as Andy McCarthy has pointed out, that that makes him kind of a busy man as he's running a presidential election. So maybe they ought to delay the trial beyond the election. We'll see if a judge buys that or not. The judge in this particular case, it ought to be noted, is a, a U.S. District Court judge named Tanya Chutkin, who's an Obama appointee. She also happens to be the only federal judge in Washington, D.C., who has sentenced January 6th defendants to sentences longer than the government request. She's also the same person who, as a lawyer, represented Theranos at Boyce Schiller and presided as a judge in the U.S. House lawsuit against Fusion GPS. This is a very left-wing judge 
who's been appointed in this case. And it's fair for the left to point out that a Trump appointee is presiding over the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. It is certainly fair to point out that Jack Smith is filing in a court in Washington, D.C. with probably the most Trump-hating judge in Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. with a Trump-hating jury, presumably, which is why he feels that he can get away with this. Here he says they're going to seek a speedy trial and see if they can get Trump in the dock before the election. Since the attack on our capital, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment, and our investigation of other individuals continues. In this case, my office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court and judged by a jury of citizens. Okay, so here is, um, here is the problem with, with all of this. So Trump is going to come to court in Washington, D.C. on Thursday. So tomorrow he's going to show up in court. We're going to get the whole O.J. Simpson-style media coverage of the cars leaving Mar-a-Lago, of the plane arriving in Washington, D.C., and Trump going to the courthouse. And when you aggregate all these charges, attempting to obstruct an official proceeding, for example, carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. I mean, these are really, really serious charges. Will he be sentenced to that even if he is convicted of those things? Who the hell knows? But the big problem here is that this is a political prosecution, and you can tell by the charges. You can tell by the charges. Again, this is coming from somebody who has a legal analyst, right, as a, as a lawyer, I think that the charges against Trump in Florida are actually pretty strong. The charges here are beyond weak, which means this is highly political from Merrick Garland's DOJ. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. It's great news for new and current PureTalk customers. PureTalk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot, no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered PureTalk before, but you haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you'll get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. And this is why I love PureTalk. They're veteran-owned. They only hire the best customer service team located right here in the United States of America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in the country. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money. Stop supporting woke wireless companies who don't actually support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. PureTalk is wireless for Americans by Americans. I've been using PureTalk myself for a while now. I use them for all my business calls, important, vital business calls. And I mean, if I think my business is important, I use Pure Talk. Well, so should you. It's really, really good. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your actual first month because, again, they actually value you. Go to PureTalk.com slash Shapiro to get started today. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, financial experts thought we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts from the Fed, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The U.S. is in the hole by $34 trillion, but we're going to continue to print money and borrow money, which means the prices that you pay every day are going to continue to rise. So we can either bury our heads in the sand or we could, you know, do the smart thing that you do financially, which is diversify. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get my gold from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you too. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, again, diversification, just a smart fiscal strategy. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Okay, so let's go through this actual indictment. So there are essentially three criminal conspiracies that Jack Smith accuses Donald Trump of participation in. This is page two of the indictment. Quote, shortly after election day, 
The defendant pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results. In doing so, the defendant perpetrated three criminal conspiracies. One, a conspiracy to defraud the United States by using dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to impair, obstruct, and defeat the lawful federal government function by which the results of the presidential election are collected, counted, and certified by the federal government in violation of 18 U.S. Code, Section 371. Okay, that is not what the statute is for. That's not what the statute is for. This statute, historically speaking, has been about stealing money from the federal government. So this is a real stretch charge. Okay, if you're going to accuse Donald Trump of fraud, this is not criminal fraud. As National Review points out, quote, as the Supreme Court reaffirmed just a few weeks ago, fraud in federal criminal law is a scheme to swindle victims out of money or tangible property. Mendacious rhetoric in seeking to retain political office is damnable, but it is not criminal fraud, although that is what Smith has charged. Indeed, assuming a prosecutor could prove beyond a reasonable doubt Trump hadn't actually convinced himself the election was stolen from him, hyperbole and even worse are protected political speech. So again, the notion that it is defrauding the United States, not like you stole money from the post office like or embezzled from the EPA, but him actively challenging the election beyond the time when the Constitution says the states certify, that that amounts to fraud? Nope, it doesn't fulfill that criminal statute. Okay, that's conspiracy number one, they're alleging. Conspiracy number two, a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede the January 6th congressional proceeding at which the collected results of the presidential election are counted and certified in violation of 18 U.S. Code 1512K. Okay, so here the idea is that he was attempting to obstruct and impede a process of justice going forward. Obstruction of justice, when, when they said obstruction of justice, I thought that the charges, you know, before they released them, I thought maybe what the charges were gonna be is that Donald Trump called up witnesses and threatened them to lie. He said, I want you to lie to the January 6th committee or I want you to lie to the Jack Smith office in this proceeding. They don't allege any of that. When they say obstruction of justice here, what they mean is that he was attempting to obstruct the legal counting of the votes. But they don't have evidence for that. What they say is that he had a specious legal theory and he articulated a lot. That does not amount to obstruction. Obstruction would be, I will threaten you with a thing. I'm going to threaten you with death. I'm going to threaten your family. I'm going to threaten things in order to stop you from doing the thing. What's the threat? Where is it? Okay, the, the elements are not fulfilled here. We'll go through the indictment. The ele- they're not even alleged, right? This is my biggest problem. You, you can tell when a case is bullcrap by what exactly is being alleged. And so, for example, if you go back to the Derek Chauvin criminal case, I kept pointing out that the entire media, the entire country, kept saying this is a case about race. And I kept saying, it's not even alleged in court that this is a case about race. So when there's a gap between the public perception of a case and what's actually being alleged, well, then you can tell that the case is specious. The same thing is true with regard to Donald Trump's case about election fraud. I kept pointing out that Donald Trump did not even legally allege the fraud that he kept saying to the American public over and over in court, which means there's a gap, which means somebody is not being honest. Okay, well, they are alleging here that Donald Trump obstructed justice and then they provide no evidence of the actual obstruction. There's no allegation that matches the crime that they're actually attempting to indict him on. That gap means somebody is being dishonest. And in this case, it's Jack Smith. And finally, a conspiracy against the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of 18 U.S. Code 241. Again, this does not. This is not the right interpretation of the law, not even remotely. This law was written. It was a civil rights law. It was written in the aftermath of the Civil War to stop, essentially, white racists from preventing black people from voting or throwing their votes in the river or something. That's not what happened here. If you have a specious legal case and it ends up not being verified by a court, that does not mean that you violated the law. If the basic idea is that every time I advance a legal theory and the legal theory ends up not being justified by a court, somehow I have conspired against the right to vote. 
like that, that means I can't ever file a voter case. I mean, by, by this particular case, every time Democrats file a gerrymandering case on some legal theory and they get overruled, then presumably they have now conspired to to prevent somebody's right to vote because the gerrymandering was legal and they said the gerrymandering was illegal, but then that was turned down. So obviously they were trying to deprive somebody of the right to vote in accordance with the law. That's not how any of that works. Advancing specious legal theories is fully protected by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We'll get to more of the indictment in just one second. First, if you're on a small business, you need to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that is by using stamps.com to mail and ship. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off U.S. Postal Service and UPS rates. Plus, they automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business right from your computer. No lines, no traffic, and no waiting. You can print postage wherever you do business. They even send you a free scale. They'll have everything you need to get started. Here at Daily Wire, we don't waste time. We've used Stamps.com since 2017. Set your business up for success by using Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro. Get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Go to Stamps.com. Click that mic at the top of the page. Enter promo code Shapiro. Go check them out right now. And we've been using it for years because we don't want to waste our time or waste our money. You want to schlep a bunch of stuff down to the post office and then wait in line, or you could just do this all very easily for less money by using stamps.com today, using promo code Shapiro, get that special offer to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car, it's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space. You should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids. They've got that jingle, right? The one eight seven seven cars for kids K-A-R-S. You, you know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. Okay, so back to the indictment. So the three criminal conspiracies alleged are not fulfilled. Again, they were a conspiracy to defraud the United States. The fraud statute doesn't apply. A conspiracy to obstruct justice. That doesn't apply because specious legal theories that you attempt to advance, that's that's not obstructing justice. And a conspiracy against the right to vote and stopping people from having their votes counted, again, a specious legal theory does not mean that you have now violated somebody's right to vote. That's not what any of that means. And then we get to some of the actual allegations in the indictment. So... They say the defendant's conspiracy to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function through dishonesty, fraud, and deceit included the following manner and means. First, the defendant and co-conspirators used knowingly false claims of election fraud to get state legislators and election officials to subvert the legitimate election results and change electoral votes for the defendant's opponent, Joe Biden, to electoral votes for the defendant. That is, on the pretext of baseless fraud claims, the defendant pushed officials in certain states to ignore the popular vote, disenfranchise millions of voters, dismiss legitimate electors, and ultimately cause the ascertainment of and voting by illegitimate electors in favor of defendant. Okay, so you, there's a key word in that particular paragraph. Knowingly. Knowingly false claims of election fraud. So, they're going to have a real tough time with this one. They have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump absolutely knew that the election fraud claims were false. Not that he should have known. Not that people told him. But that he actively knew 
that the election fraud claims were false and he promoted them anyway for his own personal benefit. Now, there are people around Trump who have basically said as much, right? Bill Stepien, former campaign manager, a bunch of people around Trump have said, yeah, we knew that this kind of stuff was not true and we were still promoting it to the public. But by we, do they mean that Donald Trump personally told them that allegation is not included in the indictment? If it were, if there was some allegation here, a witness said, Donald Trump told me, yeah, I lost the election, do it anyway. That would be a problem for Donald Trump. If they said, I, if there were a tape, like there is in the classified documents case, where he's like, I know I lost the election. The election fraud stuff is crap. Let's do it anyway. Joe Biden, Gabby, brother. That would be a problem for him. Knowingly is a very high standard. It requires intent. And as I've said for a very long time about the president of the United States, it is very difficult to establish intent for Donald Trump on intent crimes. Very tough. Because again, his intent shifts moment to moment. Like almost every day, he shifts his intent. And he fully believes the thing that he is saying today. And he fully believed the thing that he was saying yesterday. Okay, B, the defendant and co-conspirators organized fraudulent slates of electors in seven targeted states attempting to mimic the procedures that the legitimate electors were supposed to follow under the Constitution and other federal and state laws. This included causing the fraudulent electors to meet on the day appointed by federal law on which legitimate electors were to gather and cast their votes, cast fraudulent votes for the defendant, and sign certificates falsely representing they were the legitimate electors. Some fraudulent electors were tricked into participating based on the understanding their votes would be used only if the defendant succeeded in outcome-determinative lawsuits within their state, which the defendant never did. The defendant and co-conspirators then caused these fraudulent electors to transmit their false certificates to the VP. Okay, again, that's a specious legal claim. And you know what? It means nothing, nothing. If Donald Trump convinces me to write a letter to my congressperson threatening that if my congressperson does not do X, Y, or Z, I become the legal congressperson from that district. That is a fraudulent legal claim that has no merit. Is that a crime? Hard to say that that's a crime. It's a specious legal theory. Specious legal theories are fully protected here in the United States of America, or they were until five minutes ago. C, the defendant and co-conspirators attempted to use the power and authority of the DOJ to conduct sham election crime investigations and to send a letter to the targeted states that falsely claimed that the DOJ had identified significant concerns that may have impacted the election outcome. That sought to advance the defendant's fraudulent elector plan by using the DOJ's authority to falsely present fraudulent electors as a valid alternative and urged on behalf of the DOJ, the targeted states' legislatures to convene to create the opportunity to choose the fraudulent electors over the legitimate electors. Now, again, all this is really bad stuff, right? It's, been, it's not just specious legal theory. It's pretty obvious specious legal theory in absence of evidence. Also, did any of this constitute a crime? If Donald Trump says to a lower level member of the DOJ, because this is what's actually alleged, I want you to send a letter to the state of Michigan and tell them that there was fraud. And then that lower member of the DOJ went to Attorney General Bill Barr and said, let's do it. And Bill Barr says, no, there's no evidence of that. And then the letter never gets sent. Is that a crime? Is it? Very difficult to say that that's a crime, but that fulfills the elements of, for example, obstruction of justice. D, the defendant and co-conspirators attempted to enlist the VP to use his ceremonial role at the January 6th certification proceeding to fraudulently alter the election results. And this is, this is my favorite part. It says that they used knowingly false claims of election fraud. Okay, so again, they keep going to knowingly. That's very hard to establish. When that failed on the morning of January 6th, the defendant and co-conspirators repeated knowingly false claims of election fraud to gathered supporters, falsely told them the VP had the authority to and might alter the election results and directed them to the Capitol to obstruct the certification proceeding and exert pressure on the vice president. They don't have evidence of this. They don't have evidence that he directed them to obstruct the certification proceeding, right? He never told them to go into the Capitol building. He obviously did not tell them to go into the Capitol. We, we saw it. We were all there, right? 
And finally, after it became public on the afternoon of January 6th, the VP would not fraudulently alter the election results. A large and angry crowd, including many individuals, defendant had deceived into believing the VP could and might change the election results, violently attacked the Capitol and halted the proceedings. As violence ensued, the defendant and co-conspirators exploited the disruption by redoubling efforts to levy false claims of election fraud and convince members of Congress to further delay the certification based on those claims. Again, not a crime. Not a crime. Bad, ugly, unpresidential, not a crime. And we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, I had a late night last night. We had a backstage live in Nashville and I had to fly back to my house in Florida. Now I'm at the office today. I'm tired. I'm relying on Black Rifle Coffee. My team knows I need my Black Rifle Coffee every morning. Black Rifle Coffee literally fuels the Daily Wire. Our office drinks about 40 pounds of their coffee every week. If you haven't tried the Black Rifle Coffee yet, you need to. A great place to start is their complete the mission fuel sampler, giving you a taste of the entire spectrum of Black Rifle Coffee flavor profiles. Offering four ounce bags of the following roast. The Silencer Smooth, AK-47 Espresso, Beyond Black and Just Black. The only hard part will be picking a favorite amongst these classic roasts. Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-founded coffee company operated by principled men and women who honor those, who protect, defend, and support our country. With every purchase you make, they give back. Stop running out of coffee. Sign up for the Coffee Club subscription today. Have Black Rifle Coffee delivered straight to your door on a schedule. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Check out for 10% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off. You can also find Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores near you. Black Rifle Coffee is indeed America's coffee. Go check them out right now. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 10% off. Okay, so... Some of the allegations here are things like Donald Trump wanted to fire somebody and then didn't, right? This is one of the allegations that is made about the DOJ, that he was putting pressure on the DOJ to send certain letters and he threatened to fire his AG. My, honestly, one of the, one of the things that, that Trump did repeatedly throughout his administration is threaten to fire people. And then when it turned out that he couldn't legally fire the person or create significant blowback, he would just not fire them. So for example, on page 31 of the indictment, it says, quote, at a meeting in the Oval Office on the night of January 3rd, co-conspirator 4 suggested the Justice Department should opine the VP could exceed his lawful authority during the certification proceeding and change the election outcome. When the assistant AG for the Office of Legal Counsel began to explain why the DOJ should not do so, the defendant said, no one here should be talking to the vice president. I'm talking to the vice president and ended the conversation. Okay, and 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 so? Like, all right, so? And um, at a certain point here, on, December, on January 3rd, the defendant met with a briefing on an overseas national security issue with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and other national security advisors. The chairman briefed the defendant on that particular issue. When the chairman and another advisor recommended the defendant take no action because the inauguration was 17 days away, the defendant said, quote, yeah, you're right. It's too late for us. We're going to give that to the next guy. That's a crime? Where, 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 where's the crime? I'm just, at some point, you have to describe the criming. Not the bad stuff. I agree with the, uh, that a lot of the stuff was bad. The criming. I need, I need like an explanation of the crime. And again, over and over, this is just like, here's a list of bad things that Donald Trump did. I agree. A lot of those things are really bad. I don't think they are worthy of a president of the United States. Also, not a crime. So the, the, the most specious part of this particular indictment is when you get to the actual events of January 6th. Listen to the description in the indictment of January 6th and see if you can tell me where the crime occurs. Okay, because remember, this is an indictment. It's not a description of the bad stuff. We know about the bad stuff. In fact, the bad stuff is probably the reason that Republicans had a real tough time in the last midterm election. There are political consequences to all of this. It's also the reason why he was nearly impeached and convicted in the Senate. Okay, here we go. Shortly before 1 p.m., the vice president issued a public statement explaining that his role as president of the Senate at the certification proceeding was about to begin and did not include unilateral authority to determine which electoral votes should be counted and which should not. Before the defendant had finished speaking, a crowd began to gather at the Capitol. 
Thereafter, a mass of people, including individuals who had traveled to Washington and to the Capitol at the defendant's direction, broke through barriers, cordoning off the Capitol grounds and advanced on the building, including by violently attacking law enforcement officers trying to secure it. The defendant watched events at the Capitol unfold on the TV in the dining room next to the Oval Office. Hey, now, there's been no allegation anywhere in this indictment that Donald Trump told people to break into the Capitol and violently assault police officers. That's why he's not being charged with incitement. If he had, that's an actual crime he is not being charged with. At 2.13, after more than an hour of steady violence advancement, the crowd at the Capitol broke into the building. Upon receiving news that individuals had breached the Capitol, the defendant's advisors told them there was a riot there and rioters had breached the building. When advisors urged the defendant to issue a calming message aimed at the rioters, the defendant refused, instead repeatedly remarking that the people at the Capitol were angry because the election had been stolen. Now, I have a question. Bad. Is that a crime? Is that a crime that he didn't say a thing on Twitter? I'm, I'm wondering how. So, I mean, there are descriptions of activities here about things like Donald Trump retweeting things. Retweeting things is not a crime, as you may know. If retweeting things were a crime, I'd I'd be in jail for life. I retweet things all the time. Uh, Again, it's a description of a lot of bad stuff, and it's not a description of crime. And that is the nature of this particular indictment, which is, honestly, Jack Smith should be ashamed of himself. Uh, it's, it's, It's egregious. And it is, in fact, an assault on particular rights, because when you overcharge and those charges violate things like the First Amendment or the right to purvey legal theories, even if they are specious, What you are doing is you are saying to everybody else that their First Amendment activities may not be protected. This is going to be the defense, by the way, that um, that the Trump campaign is going to roll out. They're going to roll out essentially two defenses. One, when it comes to did Trump knowingly, knowingly attempt to purvey election fraud, they're going to say knowingly is a real strong word. And in fact, what they're going to do is they're going to relitigate the 2020 election and they're going to say there are a lot of reasons for Donald Trump to believe that there was election fraud. Now, it may be that there was no election fraud to the extent that Donald Trump was talking about, but to pretend that no credible person could have ever believed that there was any election fraud, that's a stretch. This is exactly what John Laurel, his lawyer, is saying. Here he was yesterday. What about the stories that uh, these campaign funds are now paying for legal fees and and you're running out of cash in that front? Well, I'm not involved in that, but the bottom line is the way that they're trying to take out Donald Trump is through the legal process. So he's being forced to spend money on legal defense, which should be spent on the discussion of critical ideas and critical issues. People want to hear the issues. They don't want to relitigate 2020. And that's exactly what the special counsel, I should say Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland and the Biden administration had to sign off on this indictment. And what they've really done is invited now a relitigation of 2020, but this time in a criminal court, which is unprecedented. Okay, so What are they going to do? They're going to bring up a bunch of charges that Trump made in 2020. And the defense is going to be, well, I mean, did he would he have to be crazy to actually, you know, consider the possibility of those charges? What the indictment says is a bunch of people told Donald Trump that the election fraud thing wasn't true. Does that mean that Donald Trump had to believe them? How many times have you been told that a thing isn't true? Many times, I would imagine, across the course of your life. Did you believe it every time somebody told you a thing wasn't true? Presumably, sometimes you believed it and sometimes you didn't. They have to prove intent. So that is point number one. Point number two is he's going to say, like, a lot of this activity is just protected free speech, which is clearly true. Here's Laura explaining. Your client is on tape with the former, with the secretary of state from the state of Georgia, asking him to find him one more vote than he would need to win the state. That's not asking for a pause. He's he, asking for votes that he did not get in that election. He was asking for the secretary of state to identify 
votes that were not counted properly and factor that in. And by the way, that that discussion took place with dozens of people on a phone call with lawyers involved, and no one was suggesting doing anything illegal. And no one during that call said, Mr. President, that's beyond the bounds. This is politics. This indictment is about pure politics. We engage in vigorous debate in this country about politics. What we don't do is criminalize political speech. This indictment is a game changer. It's the first time that we've taken political speech and said, we're going to criminalize it by the party that's in control against the party that's contesting the next election where the two individuals involved are going to be running for office. That is an incredible set of circumstances. I mean, it is, in fact, incredible. And the DOJ being weaponized against the chief political opponent of the current president of the United States, while that same DOJ was trying to cut a backdoor sweetheart deal with the president's son, is a wild spectacle. And it is going to be the centerpiece of the 2024 election if Donald Trump ends up being the nominee. And we'll get to sort of the effects of this on both the primary and the general election in a little bit. But the fact remains that this indictment is really specious. It's really, really specious. Again, National Review, which is not exactly a publication known for being Trump-friendly. National Review has a full editorial today talking about how this indictment should be tossed. And, and by the way, even if Trump were convicted on some of these charges, there's a good shot the Supreme Court overturns the charges themselves because they are not properly formulated. Jack Smith's entire indicting strategy here is January 6th is super bad. Here's a bunch of crap I'm going to throw against the wall. That is not an indictment strategy. And here's the thing Jack Smith knows better. So up until this point, I've said with regard to Jack Smith, Jack Smith is a special prosecutor. It's his job to identify crimes and charge them. If he sees overwhelming evidence of a crime happening, it's not his job to undo what James Comey did wrongly in allowing Hillary Clinton off the hook in 2016 over classified documents. It's his job to determine whether the elements of a crime are fulfilled and then to charge them. So when it comes to, for example, the classified documents case in Florida, I can't blame Jack Smith for the indictment. That's literally his job. But this is not his job. This is now political. And this is pretty obviously coming from a Biden DOJ that, again, is politically biased. It is impossible to read this current Trump indictment without at the same time reading the fact that the DOJ did not set up a special counsel for the Hunter Biden prosecution, that the DOJ appears to have attempted a sweetheart deal with Hunter, that the DOJ pretty obviously is attempting to avoid any further investigation into Hunter Biden's finances, specifically with regard to his own dad. When you read those two in juxtaposition to one another, it looks like the current president of the United States is prosecuting the former president of the United States. That's what it looks like. That's what it smells like. And by the way, this would now make it the second time. Because remember, it was under Barack Obama that the FBI and the DOJ were targeting Donald Trump in 2016. So it'd be the second time that Democrats in charge of the government and the auspices of legal power were essentially targeting Donald Trump. That's Trump's entire case. It's why he's going to be promoted in the primaries, by the way. It, like every time he gets indicted, every Republican rushes to his defense and they should on this particular indictment because the feeling quite properly is this is a weaponization of law enforcement against the former president of the United States for political reasons. That's, that's what this is. And it's, it's pretty incredible. We'll get to the actual consequences of this in just one second, politically speaking. First, when you're running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations. This is why you need to talk to Bambi. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager starting just 99 bucks per month. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They'll help you run employee onboarding, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR autopilot feature, it can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. 
All of Bambi's HR managers are based here in the United States and can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost you 80 grand a year, but Bambi starts at just 99 bucks per month. Schedule your free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro to get started. Again, Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. When you found a company, very rarely do you think about HR. It's also probably your biggest liability if you're not protected on the HR front. Do it quickly. Do it efficiently. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up and schedule that free conversation. See how much Bambi can take off your plate and how much they can protect your company. Also, the left believes good intentions absolve them of bad behavior. This type of thinking is incredibly hypocritical and stupid, but being a good person requires more effort than virtue signaling. You have to be self-aware, for starters. There are more attributes you need to cultivate. Many of them you probably haven't thought about, which is why you should watch the final episode of PragerU Master's Program, streaming only on Daily Wire Plus. In PragerU Master's Program, Dennis Prager has gathered four years' worth of wisdom and is sharing it on a number of wide-ranging subjects. How to be a good person is this week's episode, but Dennis also covers the differences between men and women, the consequences of secularism, and so much more. Remember, the world wants to make you woke and foolish, and Dennis Prager wants to make you wise, which is why you should check out the PragerU's master program available at dailywareplus.com right now. Okay, meanwhile, so the media response to these indictments is obviously members of the media are ecstatic about all this. Caitlin Collins of CNN, she tried to deny that the First Amendment protects any of Donald Trump's activity here, and it's a very, very weak case that she's making, but what does that matter? She's CNN. The president was told, given advice, that under these circumstances, the state legislatures have the ultimate ability to qualify electors. He followed that advice. Now, you may disagree as to whether or not those things actually occurred or not. That's why we have political debate. We don't have criminal trials over that. We have the discussion but like we're just having. it matters if those things actually occurred or not, John. Not under the First Amendment. But it matters if those things no. actually occurred because... Not, not at all, because it, under the it First doesn't Amendment... It does matter if it was actually fraud. No, no, the First Amendment allows... But John, let me stop you there, because yeah. if, if he's saying that there was fraud, the First Amendment doesn't allow the President of the United States to go and claim there was fraud when he was told there was not fraud and then tried to subvert the election by overturning legitimate electors. The I mean, First it says Amendment it right here in the actual indictment. Okay, so in other words, if she doesn't like what you say, the First Amendment doesn't protect it. That's a hell of a standard for the First Amendment. Obviously untrue. Again, this is a very significant First Amendment development. If it turns out you can advance a spurious legal theory or advance an opinion, which turns out to be wrong, or even if you believe a thing that is false. Now, now you're not allowed to articulate a thing that others have told you is false, but you believe it to be true. That, that's now the, the standard. Neil Katyal, who is a legal analyst as well, he says this is one of the most significant cases in American history. It is, but not for the reasons that the left believes it is. Why do you think it was so important to do that for so many pages in this indictment? Yeah, so it's a shouting indictment, Joy. It's not just one of the most significant indictments. It is the most significant indictment against Donald Trump. It is the most significant legal case of our lifetimes. It is one of, if not the most significant case in United States history. It is up there with Dred Scott. It is up there with Brown versus Board of Education because this goes to the essential question of who we are as a people. Do we let someone, the president, act in this way? That is so insane. It's up there with Dred Scott a case that led to the Civil War and declared that black people were not American citizens and could not be American citizens. It's up there with Brown versus Board, which ended segregation in the United States. It's up there with that? Really? Because, and notice his language. 
It's, are we going to let the, uh, a man get away with this as president? Get away with, with what exactly? He's no longer the president of the United States, I noticed. And he was impeached twice. And also, what's the crime? You're going to have to describe the crime in order for it to be illegal. One of the most significant, man, these people are way out over their skis. Here is the biggest problem, you know, in terms of kind of long-term interests of the United States. So there's the short-term problem, which is don't bring spurious indictments that might land a person in jail for not committing the crime. Because the fact is that if he does any jail time at all, the president of the United, former president is 77 years old right now. Presumably by the time this trial ends, he'll be 78 years old, which means that if he ends up in jail for 10 years, then that's a life sentence. He's an elderly gentleman, lest we forget. But put that aside. One of the things that's going to happen here, and you can see it happening, is let's say that this indictment goes forward. Let's say the judge lets it go forward. Let's say that a jury convicts. It will go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will look at these charges. And the Supreme Court is very likely to say by a 5-4 vote that these charges are spurious and it is likely to overturn them. That's exactly what happened to Jack Smith's case against, for example, the former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald. Turned out that was a spurious case, got thrown out. It's quite possible this case gets thrown out. Now, imagine the political fallout from a Supreme Court on which three United States justices were appointed by President Trump throwing out a case in which Donald Trump was convicted of conspiring to overturn an election. Can you imagine what the political fallout's going to be? You worry about the credibility of America's institutions and you pretend that you, you care about that if you're Joe Biden. The only reason to set this up is to undermine the credibility of America's institutions either way. It's a catch-22. If they convict on spurious charges, half the country believes that it's bullcrap and indicts the entire justice system. That's already on the table. And now if it gets overturned, the other half also believes that. So well done. This is why you should not charge things that do not exist as crimes. And well, the political fallout has been immediate. President Trump immediately uh, went to a level 11, which you can understand on an emotional level, although I don't think the comparison is correct. Uh, President Trump put out a statement. Why did they wait two and a half years to bring these fake charges right in the middle of President Trump's winning campaign for 2024? Why was it announced the day after big crooked Joe Biden scandal broke out from the halls of Congress? Okay, all of that's fair. The answer is election interference. The lawlessness of these persecutions of President Trump and his supporters is reminiscent of Nazi Germany in the 1930s, the former Soviet Union, and other authoritarian dictatorial regimes. President Trump has always followed the law and the Constitution with advice from many highly accomplished attorneys. Okay, so again, not, not a huge fan of Nazi Germany comparisons because the truth is the Nazis didn't actually just trump up legal charges. They literally just killed you or put you in a concentration camp. And so did the former Soviet Union. If they did trump up legal charges, it was like a full-on show trial in which you were forced to confess because they beat you in the back room. So is the United States Nazi Germany or Soviet? No, but is it Banana Republic type crap? Absolutely. I mean, this, this indictment is Banana Republic type garbage. For sure, for sure. Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, he put out a tweet, what we've recently learned, Hunter received money from China, contradicting President Biden's claim. President Biden spoke with Hunter's business associates over 20 times, contradicting what Biden previously claimed. Biden's DOJ tried to secretly give Hunter broad immunity and admitted the sweetheart deal was unprecedented. And just yesterday, a new poll showed President Trump is without a doubt Biden's leading political opponent. Everyone in America could see what was going to come next. DOJ's attempt to distract from the news and attack the front runner for the Republican nomination, President Trump. House Republicans will continue to uncover the truth about Biden, Inc. and the two-tiered system of justice. Other Republican lawmakers came out in defense of President Trump that included people like Ron DeSantis, who put out a statement pointing out that this is a double standard of justice. That didn't stop Trump supporters from attacking Ron DeSantis. is insufficiently submissive to the former president of the United States. Representative Jim Jordan, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, said when you drain the swamp, President the swamp fights back. President Trump did nothing wrong. There's some staunch Trump defenders who called for cutting off money for the Smith investigation. It would be a little bit late for that at this point. Tim Scott suggested he was concerned about the weaponization of Biden's DOJ and its immense power used against political opponents. 
Democrats, of course, were celebratory. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said no one is above the law, including Donald Trump, unless your name is Hunter Biden or Hillary Clinton, in which case you're totally above the law. We love you. You're the best, even if you're like Jeffrey Epstein. Man didn't commit suicide. In any case, this indictment, this indictment must now play out through the legal process without any outside political or ideological interference. We encourage Mr. Trump supporters and critics alike to let this case proceed peacefully in court. Oh, now that for peaceful court proceedings. Oh, isn't that isn't that cute? I mean, um, forget all of 2020. Forget the railroading of people like Derek Chauvin. Now, now they now the legal process is totally fair and above board. Meanwhile, Rashida Tlaib, a terrible human, she posted a similar account to X which is Twitter, saying, quote, Trump must be held accountable for conspiring to overturn an election and inciting a violent fascist insurrection, uh, giving away the uh, quiet part right there that uh, he wasn't charged with incitement, you may have noticed, which is an actual crime. Again, I point that out. The entire incitement is about incitement. They didn't charge him with incitement. So there is that. Okay, so what is the actual impact on the election? Well, there's a pretty obvious impact, which is that if Trump is the nominee, the entire election is going to be about his legal troubles. The entire election. Because listen to this calendar, okay? Here's the calendar from here on out. Tomorrow, he has a January 6th D.C. court appearance. The first GOP debate happens August 23rd, 2023. October 2nd, the Trump Organization civil suit begins. January 15th, the E. Jean Carroll civil defamation suit begins. January 29th, the pyramid scheme class action suit begins. March 25th, the hush money suit brought by the Manhattan DA begins. That's March 25th. May 20th. The classified documents trial begins. And now we don't know when this particular trial is going to begin. I would assume that it's going to be somewhere in that timeline. So the entire next year is going to be taken up by Donald Trump's trials. He's going to be focused on it like a laser beam. And that's going to be the strategy. The strategy for Joe Biden is going to be just crowd out all other media coverage, all of it. That's going to be the strategy. And Trump's going to be using all his money on his legal defense. He already has, right? He's already tapped into all of the election funds in order to pay his legal bills. So, That has two particularly strong ramifications for a general election. Ramification number one, if the entire election is about Trump's legal problems, very difficult for him to win. Very, very difficult. Because again, everybody's going to be focused in on the problems with Trump. They're not going to be focused in on the problems with the current president of the United States, who's both corrupt and terrible at his job. Problem number two is if Donald Trump uses every dollar that is coming in to fight all of these spurious legal actions against him, you know, that money isn't going. It's not going toward ballot harvesting. It's not going toward the knock knocking on doors campaign. It's not going to the on-the-ground things you need to win a tight election. That's all part of the strategy here. So the the fact is that all this stuff does hamstring Donald Trump in a general election in pretty incredible and dramatic ways, obviously. Uh, and um, those are challenges that are going to be hard for Trump. Forget about all the other candidates. Forget about all the Republican primary candidates. Just on a practical level, these are serious obstacles for Trump. Now, I, I understand the emotional appeal for Republicans of give him the chance. He, he, his, his only chance is we have to give it to him. We have to he, we have to let him run for the presidency because that way he can pardon himself in the federal cases. Or if he wins, then he has powers that he wouldn't normally have. Also, we, we need to see the conclusion of this movie where Trump takes revenge or at least has the opportunity to take revenge against the DOJ that has been plaguing him. I get it. I get the emotional appeal. I feel it myself. I totally understand it. Also, who is the most likely to win? Because the only way you actually win and defeat the Joe Biden political machine and the DOJ run by Joe Biden is to make him not the president anymore. And the only way to make him not the president anymore is to replace him with a Republican. And the only way to replace him with a Republican is to run somebody who presumably is not going to be hampered for the next year by massive legal issues, spending every dollar on his legal defense and spending no time actually campaigning because he's too busy doing depots, depositions. These are real on the ground concerns. And that is not excusing any of the attacks on Donald Trump. It isn't. It's just a practical real life appraisal of the political situation on the ground. Now, despite all of those on-the-ground concerns, the real concerns about the general 
in the primary, there's no question this dynamic helps Trump. There's just no question about it. Good evidence of this is uh, Mike Pence's response. So Mike Pence, the former vice president, who actually was the guy who had to certify the election, which he had to legally do, okay? There was no actual legal argument that he could overturn the election, that the vice president can simply throw out state-certified electoral votes. If you think that's the case, wait until Kamala Harris does it if Trump wins the election, and then see how you feel about it. That's not the way the Constitution works. But Mike Pence put out a statement saying, quote, today's indictment serves as as an important reminder Anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. I'll have more to say about the government's case after reviewing the indictment. The former president is entitled to the presumption of innocence, but with this indictment, his candidacy means more talk about January 6th and more distractions. As Americans, his candidacy means less attention paid to Joe Biden's disastrous economic policies afflicting millions across the United States and to the pattern of corruption with Hunter. Our country is more important than one man. Our Constitution is more important than any one man's career. On January 6th, former President Trump demanded I choose between him and the Constitution. I chose the Constitution and I always will. Okay, so the blowback to Pence's statement has been extraordinary. And I think for some good reason and some bad reason. So he is saying two things and they are distinct things. Thing number one is he is saying that Donald Trump's activities leading up to January 6th were egregious and that he shouldn't be the nominee because somebody who displays that sort of judgment should not be the nominee. I have a lot of agreement with that sentiment. I think that Trump's behavior between the election and January 6th was, in fact, egregious. I think that the pressure he put on Mike Pence, Pence to take unconstitutional action was egregious and spurious. I think all of those things. Also, that's not the issue today. Because the second thing that he should have said is the thing he should have said but didn't, which is still this indictment is obviously a put up job. As always, two things can be true at once. I don't know how often I can say this. Donald Trump's behavior between the election and January 6th was unpalatable. It was wrong. He was saying things that were not true. He was lying to people about those things, whether he believed that he was lying or whether he didn't believe it. In fact, he wasn't, he was, he was making allegations that were not even alleged by his own lawyers in court. He was, he was advancing a legal theory. Absolutely. It's an insane legal theory. The vice president of the United States has the singular power to overturn electoral results that are certified by the states. That's just, it's a nutty theory. Okay. All of that can be true. And also not a crime. Also not a crime. And right now, the issue is whether things that are not crimes should be charged as crimes, not whether Donald Trump's behavior during the election was good. Donald Trump's behavior during the election was good has been litigated and relitigated one million times in the court of public opinion. It was litigated in impeachment. It was litigated in elections that took place in January of 2021. It was litigated in the midterm elections of 2022. It will be litigated again, presumably, in 2024 if Donald Trump is the nominee. But that's not the question. The question of today, because that's when an indictment comes down, is Does the DOJ have the power to charge people with non-crimes? And that is a much broader issue than Donald Trump's activities on January 6th. And that's the thing that Mike Pence is missing. And that is why people are shellacking him today. Okay, meanwhile, the double standard of justice that has become quite apparent to everybody continues. The, The media continued to just studiously avoid any implication that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden had some sort of a corrupt bargain going on, which they pretty obviously did. Here was CNN's Dana Bash trying to defend Hunter and Joe Biden's activities, despite the fact that we now have open testimony from Devin Archer to Congress suggesting that Joe Biden was on 20 phone calls with Hunter Biden's business partners, that that Hunter and Joe obviously, I mean, Joe obviously knew about the businesses. Like we know all these things, but here is CNN's Dana Bash trying to, you know, wave her hand away at it. Does that mean that the, the president was involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings? No. But we all understand Washington and we all understand um, that a lot of these uh, relationships operate in the gray areas intentionally, especially when you have uh, somebody who is either related to a, a, 
a famous person or a powerful person or used to work for a, a powerful person, you want your clients to know that you can get them on the phone. Okay. He's operating the gray areas. They're gray. No biggie. It's the gray areas. Meanwhile, you have Morning Joe, one of their hosts, Jonathan LaLire, basically trotting out what, what is going to be the final form of the argument, which is all of this is just because Joe Biden is such a nice guy. This is going to be the final form of the argument. It's going to go from he knew nothing about Hunter's business dealings and Hunter did nothing wrong and never took Chinese money to sure, Hunter did something wrong and took Chinese money, but he, he wasn't involved in the business to, well, he was involved in the business and knew what was going on on a general level, but he's an amazing father. And that's where Jonathan Lyers is just going right forward here on MSNBC. As far as Hunter Biden goes, there's no doubt. I mean, it's pretty clear, even those close to the Biden family suggest that some of his behavior is pretty unseemly. That doesn't make it illegal. And it also means we don't know the role that oh. then Vice President Biden may have played. And it seems like, no, they haven't proven that he had anything to do with it. They haven't proven that he profited from this at all. Yet maybe he is guilty of turning a blind eye to some of his son's uh, behavior. And we should put this in context. This is a time when Bo Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then, and then passed away. Uh, so perhaps he was hmm. not as attentive to what he should have been here. The context is that uh, this was a, a, a sort of very fraught and and sad time for the Biden family, and uh, we know how important family mm. is uh, to the president, and mm. so do you hang up on your phone, on your, on your son, uh, at, at any time, but certainly at a moment like that, and probably the answer is no. He loves his family, which is why he's a corrupt elderly gent taking cash from his crack son, his crack snorting son, who strips prostitutes on the regular, because he loves his family, guys. That's going to be the fun. I, I, I do love Jonathan Lemire's argument right there, which is unseemly doesn't mean illegal. Meanwhile, over here, Donald Trump doesn't unseemly. That is certainly illegal. Can you name the crime? No, but it's very unseemly, which means it's illegal. The double standard here is perfectly obvious to everyone. Perfectly clear at this point. This is why, again, I think a lot of Republicans are, are wish casting here because we feel, I think correctly, that the double standard of justice must be vitiated, that it must be stopped. Most Americans will feel that way. We'll get to a general and independents will say, this ha this can't happen. This injustice will not stand. I don't know that's how independents are going to react. I think independents may just react by saying, okay, well, I'm hearing a lot of allegations about Trump and I remember that guy and uh, I didn't like that guy that much the first time and nobody's talking about Biden, so I'm going to focus in on Trump and I don't like Trump that much. In order for Donald Trump to win the election, turnout for Joe Biden has to be low. It cannot be even remotely high. That's just the reality. And so, again, I, I recommend that Republicans try to get out of uh, their own heads a little bit and think about what independents might be interested in a general election. And, and again, it would be very satisfying. I will admit that the denouement of, of Trump season eight here would be utterly fascinating if he gets the nomination. I have serious doubts as to whether the man can win a general election while he's under four simultaneous indictments. Just on a practical level, even if I think those indictments are politically motivated and spurious in many of those cases. All right, time for a couple of things. I'm just going to things I hate here. So a couple of things that I hate. Okay, thing that I hate, number one. Um, so Lizzo, great heroine of the Republic because she's a fat lady. So she, uh, she's, everyone is very high on Lizzo in the mainstream media because uh, she is proudly very, very, very large. And I'm not the one who made that an issue. She made that an issue because she literally talks about it nonstop, how big she is. Well, apparently, even Lizzo fat shames her own dancers. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
In fact, this scandal that broke yesterday is so bad that Queen Bey herself, the Bey, the Beyonce, she has a song in which she supposedly mentions, she, she mentions Lizzo, it's in the lyrics, and she skipped over Lizzo last night in her song. <gasps> we still are beating hearts. What are the allegations against Lizzo? Um, they're a little raunchy, folks. But remember, she is all class, which is why she played a flute, a glass flute owned by James Madison. So um, here, is, uh, here is the latest allegation, courtesy of the New York Post. Three of Lizzo's former dancers are suing the good-as-hell performer, as well as Big Girl Big Touring and Charlene Quigley for allegedly subjecting them to endure weight-shaming, sexually denigrating behavior, and pressuring them to participate in disturbing sex shows. Ooh, that's not so good. Plaintiffs Ariana Davis and Crystal Williams claim in the lawsuit filed on Tuesday and obtained by page six, they were eventually fired. While the third plaintiff, Noel Rodriguez, resigned over Lizzo's stunning behavior. While on a concert trip with the Grammy award-winning artist to Amsterdam in February 2023, the plaintiffs claim Lizzo invited them for a night out on the town, which ended in the city's red light district. By the way, always an HR problem. Bambi.com. Okay, let me just recommend right now that um, if you are an employer, don't take your employees to the red light district in Amsterdam. That's not going to go amazing for you. The area is known for its sex theaters, sex shops, and clubs and bars where nudity is on full display. So um, apparently, the lawsuit states, things quickly got out of hand. Lizzo began inviting cast members to take turns touching the nude performers. Catching dildos launched from the performers' vaginas and eating bananas protruding from the performers' vaginas. So first of all, hell of an act, it sounds like. Catching dildos launched from the performer. What is this, like Tom Brady? The suit also claims that Lizzo allegedly pressured and goaded Davis into touching one nude performer's breasts, which is excellent employer behavior. Employers, let it be known that Lizzo, who is a great heroine to us all, is a wonderful person who causes her employees to have to perform sex acts with prostitutes. That's exciting. The plaintiffs claim that just a month later, Lizzo deceived them into once again attending a nude show, thereby robbing them of the choice not to participate. So first of all, I feel like after she deceived you the first time, that you might be suspicious. If Liz, like the first time she took you to the red light district, she's like, eat that banana from that person's vagina. And then the second time she's like, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese, gang. Get in the van. Like at that point, you might be like, do you mean like the children's restaurant or is that a euphemism? Davis claims in one in the lawsuit that at one point she had no choice but to soil herself on stage during an excruciating re-audition, fearing the repercussions of excusing herself to go to the restroom. Eventually, Lizzo allegedly fired Davis on the spot after learning Davis had recorded one of their meetings, even though it was in order to have a copy of the notes the artist provided. Rodriguez then resigned shortly thereafter, out of solidarity. The lawsuit claims she feared Lizzo intended to hit her and would have done so if one of the other dancers had not intervened. Um, apparently, again, she weight shames her dancers, like claiming that they have gained too much weight, which I gotta say is like, OJ claiming that you're too violent with women. Lizzo claiming that you are, you have gained too much weight. Lizzo has her own gravitational pull independent of the earth sufficient to draw in large, large barges. Like I, her weight shaming people is pretty egregious. Um, So yeah, the, the, not, not great there. Not, not great stuff there Um, from, from the Lizzo. Uh, well, it's it, what a what a sad story. But orange, you glad? Orange, you glad that you don't work for Lizzo? All right, guys. The rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined by Trump lawyer and constitutional expert Jesse 
Binal. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 